Hi, I'm Mike Maloney, and welcome to another CSRM podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Dr. Greg Linville. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another CSRM podcast. We're so thankful you've been joining us. I'm joined again today with uh, Scott Stedman and Dr. Greg Linville, and we are working through the book, The Saving of Sports Ministry. And uh, today we are diving right into chapter seven. And it's talking about the relevance of soteriology, the theology of salvation that we've been talking about when it comes to the parachurch ministry. Uh, and Greg, I, I would love for you to just kind of tell us why that's important, why that's important. But first, if you could clearly define what a paraministry is, because I want to make sure we're all on the same page, page there. So what is a paraministry and why is it important that they consider the relevancy of soteriology? And, and the first term you use, parachurch, is, is the one that is predominantly used out there. And we're using it here just to help people know that we're making a transition from that to paraministry. Because people hear parachurch and they, they, they know what they think, well, they know what that means to them. And that is a ministry within the sports world. Anything that has an A in its name is probably what they would consider a parachurch sports ministry. We, we use the terminology paraministry because we don't think those brothers and sisters are outside the church. Para means beside, mm. and that means that they're outside of and not in. We believe that all of us are in the church, the universal eternal church of Jesus Christ. But we understand the terminology because what they're really saying is that they are not in a local church, but we would prefer that they see themselves as paraministries within the church. They are para beside their ministries that are beside local churches. We just think it's more theologically correct. Let's don't get hung up about that. But just so people know that when we use the word paraministry, we're referring to what most people consider parachurch. Again, that's not the main issue. The main issue is. What do these sports-related paraministries, what is their theology? What is their soteriology? And in the same way that we're challenging local congregations of the church to rethink what their soteriology needs to be, we're asking our brothers and sisters within the paraministry world to also rethink this. Now, we have to start by saying how much we love and affirm yeah, all yeah. of those that are in a paraministry that are sports related, something that has their A in the name. Uh, I know I have, and I think both of you have been at some point, if not on the staff, at least associated with many of them. Brothers and sisters, hear us. We know your motivations are they're spot on. We know your hearts are right. We know that everything about why you're doing what you're doing, we're in lockstep together. Where we're going to challenge lovingly is the theology, the theological perspectives of 
what happens in many of the paraministries, and we would call it underdeveloped because what we found is that once we've had these conversations in the old Quaker way of reasoning together, most have said to us, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. What are we saying? That their success statistic is that they hold a summer camp, they hold a weekend retreat, they do they 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 go to a minor league stadium and have one of the athletes that are on that team at the end of the game. Anybody wants to stick around and in, 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 in the uh, bleachers afterwards and they come down and say, I accepted Jesus as my savior. I'd like you to do the same thing. That's what we call the, the mega model, getting a professional athlete or a league coach or somebody to give a platform proclamation, a verbal proclamation. And is this bad? No, it's, it's, it's great. But if it's the only thing that's done and it's not done in conjunction with a local church where if somebody did raise their hand that day can be followed up and fully made a disciple, discipled, then that's the methodology that we're questioning. So if the soteriology is just, just get them the message, verbally proclaim it, get them to raise their hand, and now you're done. That's going to lead to that. But brothers and sisters when the, within the paraministry world, we would really challenge you to think that the Great Commission does not say go and count a convert, yeah. but rather go and make a disciple. And so therefore... How do we do those disciple-making kinds of things? Your guys' thoughts. Have I offended a bunch of people now? <laughs> Probably so. If you want to email anyone, you can email Dr. Greg yeah, Linville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's it's a challenge um, for those in the paraministries, but also the local church sports minister, because if we would think more about a key strategy in partnering together, because if they are bringing that professional athlete in and there is a proclamation and people are responding to it, well, we, we want some of that. We, we, we want to partner together and then get them tied into a process, um, a program, more importantly, a local church so that, hey, if, if they came in, they did all that work, let us take it from here with some intentional plan. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's helping some people in those different organizations think that through, but hopefully it's helping the local church minister to think it through also. Let me yeah. go ahead, Scott. Oh, no, I was just going to, I was just going to say, yeah, I think it's important because it's very easy to have a paraministry to kind of become its own identity and kind of become its own brand and kind of, start to kind of lose focus that, hey, we're supposed to be working together with the local church. That's kind of why we exist. And, you know, it's not just us being kind of our own little private island. I, I was at a sports ministry conference a number of years ago, and one of the winningest college football coaches ever, a very strong Christian man, talked about how one of his players had passed away. He brought everybody together and gave a gospel message loving we're loving this and then he told the story about af how that afterwards 
in his office, one of his assistant coaches said, coach, I don't get what you're saying out there. And he proceeded to say, I got my assistant coach saved, which meant that he prayed this prayer with him in his office. The guy sitting beside me, who I didn't know at all, leaned over and he said, I'll bet you that that assistant coach would really be surprised to know that he's saved. And I said, what? And he goes, well, I happen to know that guy. And he's not saved. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is this is part of what we're, that's part of the problem that we're having. Now, later in that same conference, another guy talked about, he was a professional basketball player, and he talked about having led one of his teammates to Jesus one night. I then turned to the same guy and I said, I got to tell you that that guy that he said he led to Christ, I don't get it. He's a drug addict. He's left his wife and kids. And I don't see it. And, and, and so this getting a person saved in, and, and both of those were in the para ministry, sports related para ministry world. This is the problem that we see when it is only a verbal affirmation in a public platform and not connected with the local church. And that the local church has the best ability to take that new convert and take them step by step by step. Now, in a book on page 72, there's a scoreboard. And this is a process that we really encourage local churches to do. And we would ask our paraministry brothers and sisters to consider this. And you can read down through there, but it starts by training the what we call the local missionaries. These are the coaches. These are the league directors. These are the people that are involved in the local church sports ministry, local missionaries, about how should there be somebody say, how do I get saved? What does it mean to become a Christian? They they train them on how to do that. And that's important. But then they have a whole step-by-step What's going to happen after that? And immediately, that step-by-step -step process kicks in. That person who has just led their, their teammate on, in, the, in the adult basketball league in a prayer to receive Jesus, they say, now I'm going to put this in your hand. Here's a packet. What you've just done is this. It tells them what they just did in praying to receive Christ. What does that mean in their life? What, do, what did they just commit themselves to? And what they're supposed to do in the next hours, days, and weeks. And that that would include then setting aside a daily time to pray. And the, the person that has just prayed with that person, the, the Christian who has prayed with that now new Christian, it's going to say, I'm going to call you every day, or we're going to meet every day for the next week, and we're going to pray, and I'm just going to be with you. Because the other things in that packet is what's going, what they're going to expect, what to expect now, that's, now that you're a Christian. And there's going to be some difficulties, and there's going to be some things you're going to try to wrestle with. Yeah. 
And then beside the daily prayer and checking in, a weekly Bible study and a weekly time to get involved in other things in the church. And then the next step is to get them enrolled in a baptism class. How do we get you baptized? And if you're in a tradition that, that baptizes infants, you have confirmation. What's the confirmation class? Get them involved in that so that they can make a public confession in front of the whole congregation. And introducing them after you have your weekly Bible study with them, then a Bible study with other believers. And then a day where they do get up in front of the church and either get baptized or they're confirmed that this is the checklist. And churches that are growing with with evangelistic disciple-making growth, not transfer growth like we talked about last time, or biological growth, they, this is what they're doing. People know this process. Now think about this. When somebody drives into a church's property, onto that property, there's a sign that says, parking over here. And then there's a sign that says, if you want to go in, to the offices, the offices are there. If you want to go into the gym, the gym's there. If you want to go, and then once they get in the front door, there are more signs that say, okay, are you looking for the sanctuary? Are you looking for the gym? Are you looking for the pastor? You, And everywhere you go, there's another sign. That is for churches that are really sensitive to helping people take the next step. But we don't do the same signage with people who have just prayed to receive Jesus. Okay, I'm running off at the mouth again. <laughs> Greg, I, I think the, the challenge for the para-ministry mega event type of mentality, uh, those things, obviously, they can have some success. I think what you're challenging here is to think through a process. I would say all the planning and all the details that go into pulling that off and having it go well, add this component to it. Um, you know, what what's the process to help the person who raises their hand and ultimately What's the process to get them connected to a local church so that that partnership can be there? Because like you said, those successful churches that are growing, growing the right way, they probably already have those processes in place. And so I think, again, all the details that go into pulling something off like that, take the next step, the more important step really to get them to be a dedicated disciple, get them plugged in somehow, some way to a local church or to something that you can provide for them. So I think it's it's a healthy challenge. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause I think if we just, if you do something that's just the big event that they always put on, you know, you have to be careful of A, making sure do we have something in place after this event to kind of continue that discipleship track. And then B, I think you have to like be cautious of, we're doing this big event to kind of let everybody know, hey, here's all the great stuff we did this past year. So then you can, can still continue to give us donations so we can still continue to function. And it becomes more about pleasing your audience to get those donations as opposed to making disciples. I know I know, we're probably coming down to the end of this segment. Um, I want to revisit something in this context uh, that we talked about earlier and then set us up for our next time because we talked about what was called easy believism yeah. and that is that we within the christian community are so desirous 
of having people go to heaven for eternity to avoid going to hell. We're so desirous of people becoming Christians that we don't make any demands. We just say, all you got to do, all you got to do is just raise your hand right now and then you're in. And, and we get that. We understand that why that is, but, but that's easy believism. That is not making a dedicated disciple. And it's what we talked about earlier in this, in this, uh, in these uh, podcasts that we've done about what we call easy believism or, or cheap grace. And, but then the other part of this is often not just theological, but methodological. And that is it's, it's easier living. We don't want to have them make any changes in their lifestyle for fear that they're not, they're going to say no to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, to become a disciple of Jesus means that you do a 180. It's called repent. It's that you are going that direction and you turn around and go that direction. You go in an, in an exact opposite direction. And whether that's with my addiction, whether it's in, in improper relationships, whether it's whatever it is, I've got to stop doing that and go in the other direction. Now, we know uh, we, we can get into a deeper theology that this really isn't the place for. We're not saying that somebody, unless they join a local church, unless they get baptized, unless they, that, that that's what earns them their salvation. We're not saying that. We're saying in some ways, though, that it proves it. It, 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 it verifies that they have turned around and gone the other way. And that we're not saying that once you have accepted Jesus that you're all perfect anymore. If, if that was the case, none of the three of us would be on this at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it, it, if at least maybe not so much for you guys, but all you'd have to do is just ask my wife and kids and they tell you right away. No, he's not yeah. perfect. But there's a consistency that a progress. And we see this in sports, don't we? I couldn't dribble the ball today. I dribbled it once tomorrow, and the third day I'm getting two or three dribbles without losing it. And that's what it is with a Christian life. I'm taking it a step at a time. And that's what we have to help our people understand, that we, we've got to keep not just the, yes, accept Jesus today, soteriology part of salvation but then it is the enabling step that enables you to become the disciple a lifelong dedicated disciple and that's what we're challenging our para ministry brothers and sisters to really think about and change their success statistics from we had this many people raise a hand or fill out a card Change it from that. How many of those people have become members of a local church participating weekly and are have been baptized and they're growing, they're tithing. Yes, it takes money. 
it impacts our pocketbook and that they're no longer addicted to the bottle. They're no longer addicted to pornography. They, they are moving in this direction. Pair of ministry, brothers and sisters, hear us. We want to link arms with you. Yes. We want to connect you with local churches so that the people that are raising your hand at your mega events are plugged into a church and not retrospectively, but that you don't even do the mega event without getting the local church involved in it to help put it on because you're never going to get never God can do whatever, but usually you're not going to be able to get those people retroactively. But if you get the local church to help you plan these mega events and they're working with you, it's going to work guys. I'm so sorry. I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> Greg, I, I'm thankful that you are because I think this is something that, uh, the para minister, the para ministries, the local church uh, sports minister, we all need to think about this uh, because we we do want to see people one to the kingdom. That's why we probably got into this whole gig, right? Because we want to see people one for Christ. And but when, when we look at the scripture, it there's a high cost. When Jesus says, if you would come after me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You have to lose your life. I think we understand that means we live for Christ and we no longer live for ourselves, but it's a daily thing as well. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We understand that. Uh, we can't earn that. However, there should be fruit. Uh, John 15 comes to mind, right? Uh, there, there should be, if we are, uh, if we're truly abiding in Christ, we have to be connected. There has to be some evidence of that. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Paul's writings, these athletic illustrations. He talks about how life is kind of like a race. Um, so there's there's disciplines, there's growth, there's struggle. Um, and so I think the best way for us to get people to understand that, to get them one to the kingdom, but also to become a lifelong dedicated disciple is a partnership. Greg, as, as you were talking about, I, I think about a major fail when I was a local church sports minister we had the, the GM of the Cleveland Browns on our stage at our church through nothing that our church did. I think it was FCA hosted something in our church building. And I remember being there because it was cool. I'm a huge Cleveland Browns fan, uh, fan and I think they even had some uh, of, the, of the players at that time there as well. And they had they had an opportunity. They, they, lead, they led people through the sinner's prayer, and I saw people raise their hand. We had no follow-up uh, at that um, at at that time. So there was no follow-up and no partnership. And I wish that we would have thought that through because that was a missed opportunity. And so I think your challenge is something that we should all uh, really, really um, strongly consider where we are with all of that. So I appreciate those words and I appreciate your passion. And to it's your important. point, to your point, our next session, we're going to get into the very specifics of how the paraministry and the local church can work together in some of these things. Absolutely. And again, if you were offended, yeah, you, you are definitely free to reach out to Dr. Greg Linville, uh, not to Scott or myself. <laughs> no, uh, we, we, we appreciate this conversation. We appreciate grace and, uh, and peace with it all as we all consider what we can do better in our ministries. That's all the time we have for this session here today. Uh, again, we encourage you hop onto our website if you need this resource, this book, The Saving a Sports Ministry, or if you want some coaching, uh, we, we encourage you go through page 72, 
sit down with some of your leaders. If you have questions about some of those things, we would love to help coach you on that. So uh, that's all the time we have for today. And uh, we certainly look forward to our next conversation. We'll see you then. Take care. The CSRM Podcast is a production of CSRM and their production house, Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville is the executive producer, and Scott Stedman is the associate producer and editor. To learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. The CSRM Podcast is the flagship member of the podcast network, Overwhelming Victory Radio. For more information on Overwhelming Victory Radio, or to listen to our partner podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash OV Radio. For CSRM Podcasts, I'm Mike Maloney. Have a blessed day.